This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Regardless whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDP. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming. 800-913-GOLD. 800-913-GOLD. Hello, America. Welcome to the program. We have... We have some interesting things to discuss today. I want to take you to um, I want to take you to some history that you I, I don't think you knew. Um, at least nobody here on the staff uh, knew it as we discussed it this morning. Uh, some really interesting history that is very relevant today. I want to take you to a modern day screw tape letter written by Eric Erickson uh, today, uh, and. We also want to talk to you about Bono and his sudden love for capitalism and America. Is Bono one of the most honest celebrities of all time? If I think if all celebrities were like Bono, I think more people would be... I, I, I would consider switching sides because he is such an honest broker and so rarely do you see one that if more celebrities were like Bono they'd have a much more profound effect maybe we should probably keep that to ourselves (laughs) so they don't have a much more profound effect but we have a lot to discuss today let's get started right now of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Who was the guy that every day it was his job to close the door of the gas chamber, to actually see the people go in push the last one in, close the door, look through the glass on that door, and give the thumbs up. Who was that guy? How did he get to be that guy? How did he get to be a guy that was so dead inside? Because, you know... He wasn't born that way. He most likely wasn't raised that way because there were so many of them. How did they become these guys?
I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about the Dadaist movement, and I, I, want you to, I want you to listen to this history and tell me if you see any parallels here. It's 1914. Germany is flexing its uh, muscles, and the Fabian socialists um, in Europe and in England, they want war. Because the old system is broken. The old feudal system doesn't work anymore. And if you ever watched, uh, what was that stupid BBC show with the Downton Abbey? If you ever watched that show, at the beginning of the show, the first couple of seasons, it's before World War I. Women are, you know, quietly tucked away. Technology is really nowhere the feudal system with the lords and the ladies. Everybody is dressing in tuxedos for dinner every night. The, the staff is completely separate and invisible. The class system is, is from a different era. Within four years, as you watch it after the war, and you see it in Downton Abbey, everything has changed. Now women are starting to work. Because the men were gone and the women had to do things that they had never done before. The class system is breaking down. And more importantly, socialism is now really starting to permeate. Socialism is starting to get a toehold. And so that's really bringing down the class system. And everything has changed. What that show and others don't really point out is... The fact that the Fabian socialists, and especially over in in Europe, the state and the church were one. And so the state in Germany and the the, uh, state in in France and England, they were all pushing for war. They all thought it would be good. And beyond that, the churches were doing the bidding of the state. And so the churches were preaching this from the pulpit, that this is good. We have to do this. Let's go in. And your boys will be home within six months. Well, as we all know, that didn't happen. And millions, millions died. You have to understand how much things changed. Again, I think in many ways, we see this time and time again. When the Industrial Revolution happens, when we start to move into cities, um, now with technology, there's this grind and the old system of doing things doesn't work. And a war happens to break out. And by the end of the war, borders have changed, families have changed, rules have changed, civility has changed. Everything has changed after that war. It makes that transition into what's coming next easier. You don't notice that huge change because you had a war in between. And so everything seems a little better, even though it wasn't what you expected. By 1919, millions had died. There were almost no horses left in Europe. Almost all of the horses were dead because they went against tanks. It was the last gasp of war the way we knew it. People didn't know what to think. Gas was being used. 
bombs were falling out of airplanes. Um, uh, uh, millions had died. Tanks were coming into their towns and crushing their houses. It was total devastation. Families, every single family by 1920 had had someone affected by death. Every family had somebody die, either from the war or from the flu, the pandemic. It was a completely different world. And there was a movement that was, that was associated with socialism that said nothing matters. Nothing matters. And it was, it was not an anarchist movement. It wasn't the guys that we see now that are, you know, protesting the WTO and, you know, they're all dressed in black and they're, you know, tearing fences down. Not that kind of anarchist. An anarchist that said, let it burn. Let it all burn. And it was a Dadaist movement which said, nothing matters. The church lied to you. The governments, all of them lied to you. The media lied to you. The military lied to you. Your money, we, the old poem from Rudyard Kipling, we all had plenty of money, but there was nothing our money could buy. Between inflation and hyperinflation, or just having the money, but everything, the, everything was gone. There was nothing you could, you couldn't go buy the things that you wanted to buy. It was all burned down to the ground. Everything was over. And the world went into a dark, Europe went into a very dark depression. Now, at the same time, as they're settling the war, the Americans take the table, the chair away from the peace treaty table in Versailles from the Germans. We're rubbing salt in the wounds. There's no salve. There's no reconciliation. We won. You lost. And we literally took the table away from the Treaty of Versailles for the ambassador for Germany. And when he walked into the room, he said, gentlemen, where's... Where is my chair? And the American, without even looking up, said, you should have thought of that before you started a war. Vengeance, not reconciliation. No peace was going to be had from something that started like that. Abraham Lincoln, with malice toward none and charity toward all, let us do what we must to, uh, to bind the wounds of this great nation. This is the opposite of that at the Treaty of Versailles. So Germany is angry again, and the rest of Europe wants to punish Germany. But the German people have lost their faith. They have lost their money. They have lost their children. They have lost their cities. They had lost everything. And the Dadaist movement comes in and says nothing was worth it anyway. And the Dadaist movement does something else. They start the cabarets. They start these, these shows, these, um, I don't know how to describe them, burlesque shows that are, that are body to begin with and downright soul-corrupting at the end where they are, they are touting, by, the, by 1930, they are touting everything that is bad, everything that is morally 
reprehensible is found at the cabaret in the bright and garish lights with everybody cheering. In 1920, a guy who is, he's crazy. He, he was actually um, uh, diagnosed by the doctors uh, as having hysteria and he was a psychopath. His name was Adolf Hitler. He goes blind from the war, literally goes blind, hysterical blindness. And he is institutionalized as a psychopath. He gets out. He's arrested because he's in this Nazi movement and everybody's making fun of it. The cabarets by 1920 are already making fun of the Nazis. Um, by 1930, by 1930 um, the Nazis are growing because of the stormtroopers. And so the stormtroopers are starting to beat people up and the crowds aren't laughing as loud when they think somebody is listening, but they're still laughing at them. Except about 30% of the population. 30% of the population look at Adolf Hitler and they say, listen to what the man is saying. And what he's saying is, Germany was great. Germany should lead the world and look at what we've turned into. And his angle to get in that he has taken years to perfect is the church. The church is the answer. And because we left the the uh, Deutschland Christianity. We are losing our way and I will restore Germany and I will restore it by restoring our values and our principles and the traditional things that we lived for and understood 20 years ago. It is the church that has fallen down and I will protect it. Well, the church has been so under siege for 10 years that they are hungry for a protector. And his speeches are incredible. His speeches back then are, are speeches that could be heard from a pulpit. He sounds like a Christian. By 1933, <clears throat> Bonhoeffer comes on and he is giving a speech three weeks after um, he is made Fuhrer. The, the Fuhrer is made Fuhrer because he says, I can't be chancellor because that's too grand of a title for me. What he really is doing is he wants an, uh, a uh, non-constitutional title. He gets this title because of bloodshed. And the people cheer on his breaking of the Constitution and bring him in for one reason. Let me finish the story and, tell you te- and, and then show you why I'm telling this story here in a second. First, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It is LifeLock. <clears throat> According to recent insurance claims data, over 40% of identity fraud cases are a result of lost or stolen wallets or purses. So to help you minimize the risk, you're not supposed to carry your social security card, your passport, birth certificate, extra credit cards, or your checkbook. 
Identity theft is America's fastest growing crime, and it happens when thieves use your information to buy things on your credit. They liquidate your bank accounts. They even get to your retirement funds. This is why you need LifeLock. I have LifeLock, and you should too. LifeLock scans hundreds of millions of transactions every single second. And if they detect your information is being used by somebody not you, they'll send you an alert. And if you do have a problem, a U.S.-based agent will work to fix it. That is the key. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the best at monitoring them, and then they're the only ones that will help you fix it. Membership starts at $9.99 a month plus the sales tax. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-440-4936. Use a promo code BECK for 10% off your LifeLock Ultimate Plus membership, 1-800-440-4936. 1-800-440-4936. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Regardless, whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDB. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming. 800-913-GOLD. 800-913-GOLD. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. I, I want you to notice that the the that, that Hitler didn't just pop out of someplace. A cake. Uh, no, he didn't pop out of a cake. <laughs> Hi, I'm here! The guy who was working the gas chamber door didn't just, uh, we didn't, didn't say, hey, who, uh, who has experience shoving people into a gas chamber and closing the door? There wasn't anybody with experience. Mm. How did they become that? And it didn't happen in 1930. It began in 1914. And it began with everyone lying to people. And it began with no one had anyone to count on, including the church, because the church had said, yes, World War I is God's will. It began with people feeling out of control of their lives for a long time. And nobody listening to them. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so then society went dark. And the guy they made fun of 10 years before, the guy that they knew literally was a psychopath, diagnosed psychopath, 10 years before, people are holding up on their shoulders. Now, he had used, he had used his crowd, these brown shirts, which were not necessarily under his control. But he had used them and he had helped soup them up and say, you are going to be the new leaders. You're going to be the new leaders. And what they did was they started getting the fear, if you don't fall in step, we will destroy you, we'll destroy your business, or we'll even beat you in the streets to set an example. 
the beatings were very public because they needed everyone to fall into place. What happened in 1933 was after Hitler had accrued enough power, it was time to jettison the brown shirts. And he betrayed, the first, first, the first people he betrayed were his own, the people who got him there. And what he did, everybody was so afraid of him, they were so tired of being ridiculed, mocked, beaten, uh, uh, ostracized by the brown shirts. Somebody's got to do something. Somebody's got to do something. And so Hitler knew it, and the night of long knives. And he personally led that, and he personally killed many of the leaders. He killed every leader, including people who had the wrong name. They were just, we're looking to kill that guy. Oh, I know that guy. Well, he wasn't the lead. He wasn't the brown shirt. And they killed them in front of the families. Brutal, innocence slaughtered overnight all across the country. The next morning, everybody, every town in Germany is talking about this. You see, they just killed all these people. Hitler gets on the radio and says, I have violated the Constitution. I have violated every law, and I have violated the Constitution. And I take full responsibility, and I'm going to see the Chancellor today. And whatever the Chancellor says, and whatever the people of Germany say, I will abide by. Because I am admitting to you today that I did kill these people, and I issued the orders... And it is a direct violation of the Constitution. What happens next over the next year is fascinating. Next. The Glenn Beck Program. program the night of long knives hitler has done two things by 1933 he has convinced the church that he will be its greatest protector that um, he's going to empower the church to restore the values that had been lost in the previous 10 years it's important to remember that he didn't come out of a vacuum he is a product of of people crying for vengeance in 1920. People crying for vengeance, people saying that nothing matters, people righteously saying, everyone lied to me in 1914 to 1918. I have paid the price. They're not paying the price. My family has paid the price. And a feeling that the whole world is changing and I don't understand it anymore. And values change because of the 1920s. Everything is changing. But driving underneath is socialism. National, populism, socialism. 
known at the time as National Socialism and International Socialism, Communism. One becomes Nazi, one becomes Communism. International Socialism is workers of the entire world unite. Nationalism is our country is the greatest. We're going to, we have the greatest people. We have the greatest ideas. Our culture, our heritage, our people are the best. And with this socialist idea that we're all in this collective together with a strong leader, we will unite the entire world behind Germany. Russia wants to unite the whole world behind socialism too. But it's going to be international socialism. This is German socialism and will destroy anything else that's not, that's not German. So that's playing underneath. Communism and socialism is playing underneath while everybody is discontented. And the schools are starting to teach these things. And all of the universities are teaching socialism, national socialism, um, populism. One is the tyranny of the minority, and the other is the tyranny of the majority. The tyranny of the majority is with, um, uh, with Hitler. And they are going to get everyone to bow down. And they do it with the brown shirts. He kills all the brown shirts. 1933, he's still not the Fuhrer. He's talking about the Fuhrer principle, that there has to be one grand leader for this Third Reich. But he's not. Because they still have the, I don't remember, the president, the, the chancellor. I can't remember his name now. It's not Hindenburg. It's another big famous one. And everybody loved him. And so he said, Hitler gets on the radio and says, I did kill all these people and I violated the Constitution. And I put my hands, I put myself in the hands of the president and I put my hands in, and my fate in the hands of the German people because I trust them. But I want you to know I'd do it again because you know and I know these people had to be stopped. The people rally around him. He admits he broke the Constitution but he did it for the right reasons. He killed all these people in the middle of the night, including people who were innocent, just killed them without trial, without anything, just killed them overnight, mass slaughter. But he was right for doing it. He goes and meets um, with the head of the German nation and the German uh, uh, leader says, I forgive him. He is so humbled by this that he says, I could never be chancellor. I'm going to make a new office, a humble office, Fuhrer. And he becomes the Fuhrer, the chancellor of Germany. Um, Everybody celebrates, except one guy, Bonhoeffer. Three weeks after he becomes the Fuhrer, he's on the air saying, listen, I have to tell you these principles are wrong. And here's why they're wrong. And, um, and he lays out a good case, and he's making it for Christians. Why is he making it for Christians? Because by 1933, by January of 1933, 
only 20% of Christians, let me reverse that, 80% of all German Christians, including 80% of the pastors, believe that the Old Testament is nothing more than a Jewish lie and needs to be taken out of the Bible. 80% of all Christians and 80% of all pastors take the Old Testament out. It's a Jewish lie. To me, what is even more staggering is that 80% of pastors and 80% of all German Christians also say the head of the church is Hitler. The head of the church is not Christ. So as he is saying this on the air, his broadcast is cut short, and he's in trouble already. By, tw- by the fall of that year, 20,000 people are, are congregating in um, Nuremberg, and they are holding massive rallies. One of them was 20,000 in Nuremberg. Um, they're holding these massive rallies um, to make sure that they vote, that the church votes Hitler as the head of the church. What Hitler had done in, in July is he had gotten all the pastors together and said, the only way I can really protect you is if we're all on the same page. I think you guys should all vote. You shouldn't have any non-Aryans as priests or pastors, which completely violates the whole idea of baptism. But once a Jew, always a Jew. Get rid of them all. And you need to vote for new hierarchy. Completely unconstitutional and completely unconstitutional for all of the churches. They vote these guys in, and that was the end of the Christian church by 1933. So you're saying, though, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe I don't have this right, it didn't immediately start that way in 1914? I mean, like 1914, it wasn't just, okay, Hitler's the head of the church, put this guy in, we're really pissed off. No, you You're know saying what's really interesting? Things started before that? Yeah, and what's really interesting huh. is they were unrelated. They were completely unrelated to that guy. Right. And he mm-hmm. just capitalized on what people on, were saying. And the whole feeling of the country at the and time. And then also, huh. also, do you know who made the German Gestapo uniforms? Do you know who made those? Betsy Ross? No. no. Wrong country, <laughs> wrong time. That's right. but <laughs> Hugo Boss. Oh yeah, that's yeah. That's stunning. That is stunning. That's stunning, and but that was before they were the bad guys, evil. Yeah, that's right? when everybody was thinking they're they're still the good guys. Yeah, okay, because everybody thought, and people, some people still think they were the good guys. They knew how to manipulate things. Now, mm-hmm. I've just spent the time talking purely about history. The last time I talked about this was, well, probably yesterday, but uh, the last time we told uh, like a story that in detail about this, where it was politically charged, mm-hmm. was probably 2009. And the left started screaming that I was comparing Obama to Hitler. And they completely missed the point. I was not comparing Obama to Hitler. Never. That's not what I was doing. I was talking about the seeds that were being planted at that time Mm. 
But everyone was so politically charged that they could not fix reason to her seat and see the parallels because it's all about the seeds that are planting, not about the individual personalities. Hmm. If anybody is listening and you are angry at me, ask yourself, why? Why? This happened to me when I read Carl Sagan's uh, book, The Demon Haunted World. I was raised Catholic, but I wasn't a Catholic. I didn't go to Catholic. I was an embarrassment to the Catholic Church. I, didn't, I wasn't living the lifestyle. I wasn't uh, abiding by the doctrines. Uh, I didn't, I did, I, I, I wasn't going to church. But boy, oh boy, I found myself reading Demon Haunted World by Carl Sagan, where he was talking about technology, but he kept referring to the Dark Ages and the way the Catholic Church controlled things by controlling the language in Latin. And I remember throwing that book across the room. I was reading it in bed, and I tossed it on the end of my bed, and it landed across the room. And, and I was so pissed. I'm like, this is crap, and I threw it. That stunned me, and I happened to be at the time where I was sobering up, obviously dry drunk there, um, sobering up, and I was trying to figure things out. I had read Thomas Jefferson fix reason firmly in her seat and question with boldness. And so I thought, why? Where, where did that come from? Why am I so angry? I'm not Catholic. Why am I so angry? He wasn't accusing me. He wasn't even accusing the new church. He was accusing things from history that we know are true. Yes, but he's an atheist. But that's not his point in this. What was his point had nothing to do with me, the current church, nothing. My anger came from me. And it's because I recognized in myself, flaws. I recognized in that particular case that I was doing the things that he was accusing the church of doing, I was doing in my own life. I was following blindly, not the Catholic Church, others. What anyone had told me, I believed. That's what was happening. So anybody who finds themselves angry with a story that is purely about history, why? Do you recognize the seeds? I don't think Donald Trump is Hitler, and I don't think Hillary Clinton is Hitler. I just saw a deal today, uh, uh, Stephen Crowder thinks Hillary is Hitler. I don't. I don't think either of them are. I think they could be their own special sauce. They could make their own way. They're not going to be Hitler. Hitler was Hitler. Both of them, I believe, are dangerous. But neither of them would I put in the category of Hitler. He's kind of his own category. Yes. Is is he not? He is. It is interesting, though, I mean, because the overwhelming majority of people say, if you ask them, "We, we want both parties to work together, Right. Well, one party is increasingly nationalist and the other party is increasingly socialist. Uh, No, no, I believe they're both socialist. Neither one of them are going to get rid of health care. They're both socialist. One is more and more 
internationalist, globalist. Mm. Did you hear the president yesterday? Yeah, we got to play that. The president yesterday with the U.N. said we have to bind ourselves to international law. One is becoming more and more national socialist, and one is becoming more and more international and give up some of our control yes yep i mean that's why increasingly right i mean and and if they work together what formula do you get out of that socialism national socialism Socialism. (laughs) that's not a good combo uh now this selling your house is an emotional experience um one emotion you don't want is the anxiety of dealing with a real estate agent who you don't think is telling you the truth um you don't i mean boy Selling a house that you love because you have to, I've done before, and really, really hard. Selling your house that even you don't like, but you you got to move on, is really hard. Selling a house that you like, but you're getting ready, you don't have to sell it. You just want to move to a better house, really hard. You want somebody who is um, going to tell you the truth, help you set the right price, and help you sell that house so you can move on with your life. This is the biggest investment of your life. A house is really an important investment. Let's not go to your brother-in-law who knows a real estate agent who, you know, is a friend of his. A guy you grew up in school with, he's a real estate agent. I guess that, no, no, no. Go to an expert. Go to the best one you can find. And go to one that has your values and principles. Real estate agents I trust where their individually selected agents will work to earn your business every day. Houses that have been sitting on the market for months are now selling, and people are able to take that big burden off their shoulders. Agents just like you with similar values. Realestateagentsitrust.com This is The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is weird. At Jay Dozier 66, uh, he tweeted, OMG, here goes Glenn Beck again. He's comparing Hitler to Trump again, turning him off for good. Oh, I'm Wait, did, that's didn't weird. Say anything I didn't about say Trump. Anything. He did this at uh, the halfway mark of the show today, so he didn't, he didn't even hear the second half, which is weird because I didn't say a thing about Donald Trump. It's not weird to him, though, because he's turned you off for good. So yeah, I didn't hear right, you say that. Uh, this guy, um, proudly in the basket. Uh, this comes from uh, at Night Star forty four. Proudly in the basket with a big American bald eagle head and a flag behind it. Um, delusional Beck uh, giving long history lecture about Hitler. Obviously, he thinks Trump will become Hitler. Hmm. What? Hmm, no, again, how did you draw that conclusion? No, I, I didn't say that. In fact, you don't have any idea yet why I even brought that story up. We weren't even talking about Trump. Pat, were we dis- was that story driven by Trump? No, it was not. No, it was not. No, it wasn't. It'll be interesting to hear, by the way, there is one here. Um, at Thomas, um, Hitler's rise was uh, due to German aggression. 
uh, response, because you see a parallel between Hitler and Trump, because Glenn Beck hasn't said a word about Trump, it's interesting <laughs> that you do. Uh, um, I'll tell you why I shared that story. It had nothing to do with Trump. Next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Hello, America. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. Lots to cover today, including uh, the destruction of the family, the American family, in about a half hour, part three of our uh, serial. Also, last hour, um, I t- told you a history lesson about the Night of Long Knives. Uh, we did it kind of as a social experiment. Um, already, Twitter is on fire saying I compared Donald Trump to Hitler. Not once did I even mention politics. Um, I was showing you the seeds, and in fact, that story was born from someplace entirely different. Entirely different. But everybody in this hero-worshipping world is going right to politics. I don't want to talk to you about politics, and I don't want to talk to you about Donald Trump. I want to talk to you about something I read this morning that I think is a modern-day screw tape letter... Uh, in the form of an op-ed piece. And we go there right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have won. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn So, it's very interesting. I read an op-ed piece today by Eric Erickson that I want to talk to you about. uh, Reconsidering my opposition to Trump. And if you are opposed to Donald Trump, I want you to listen to this. Uh, And if you're opposed to, um, uh, uh, you know, not voting for Donald Trump, I know you're not going to vote for Hillary Clinton, nor am I, but I want you to listen to this. Uh, Reconsidering my opposition to Donald Trump. Now, the point on this that I want to make has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Um, But... The conversation that came from this article had something to do with something much, much bigger than Donald Trump. Listen to this. Reconsidering my opposition to Donald Trump by Eric Erickson. My po- uh, the polling has drawn even closer. More and more people wonder if those of us who are never Trump should finally yield, knowing that we can now beat Hillary Clinton. I mean an odd position. I am mindful that should Trump win, the Republican establishment will blame people for me for giving rise to people like Donald Trump. Likewise, I know if Trump loses, the Republican establishment will blame people like me for giving rise to people like Donald Trump, and Trump supporters will blame people like me for his loss. So I suppose I should say that I'm not in an odd position, I'm in a no-win position. With Donald Trump's rise in the polls and increasingly competitive nature of the race, it is time to reconsider my opposition to Trump. After all, I view Hillary Clinton's candidacy as anti-American. I realize that saying Hillary Clinton's candidacy, in my view, is anti-American, offends some or comes off as um, uh, hyperbole. But I think her candidacy is fundamentally an anathema to and is fundamentally in opposition to the basic historic American values. 
I believe the founders of this country recognized individual liberty as negative liberty. It wasn't what individuals could do if the government helped them make this country great. Rather, it was what individuals could do if the government left them alone. Hillary Clinton's vision of a Leviathan nanny state runs counter to all of those ideals. She would expand the government, engage the government in social experimentation, and she would advance the agenda of the sexual revolution against the church. I am under no delusions. With Clinton as president, the church in this country will be in for difficult times, besieged from the outside. The forces of Mordor will be fully on the march. That's, anybody disagree with that? Because I agree with that 100%. With Hillary Clinton, the Supreme Court will fall into the hands of the left for a generation at least. The devastation, listen to this, the devastation to our social fabric will know no end. Trading in the idea of negative liberty, Clinton uh, Clinton and a left-wing Supreme Court will pursue expansionist federal policies and concepts of positive liberty, which will advance the individual purient interest of deviance against the church in the way founders could not have anticipated and no rational person would think wise. But Clinton, as president, will mean the insane have taken over the asylum. Anybody disagree with any of that? Giltred uh, Himmelfarb wrote, quote, uh, what was once stigmatized, I mean. anybody take a, di- take a guess who, who she is? You cannot disagree with Himmelfarb. You can't. Take a guess no, who she you is. Can't. Uh, we don't have to guess. Was We've so, talked about she, ran, she wrote a very Himmelfarb library. She wrote a very important book uh, that you all should read. Anyway, uh, right. what was once stigmatized as deviant behavior is now tolerated and even sanctioned. What was once regarded as abnormal has been normalized. Mm-hmm. As deviancy is normalized... So what was normal now becomes deviant. The kind of family that has been regarded for centuries as natural and moral, the bourgeoisie family, as it is now called, is now seen as pathological. We've been saying that so long, we call it Himmelfarbian. We are part of the Himmelfarbians. The Clinton presidency will lock that in. Is there any disagreement with that? No, that's, I mean... What they've done... By the way, she wrote um, she wrote a book about the the uh, Hitler era, and I can't remember the name of it, but look it up. Very famous book, um, and she is she was taking it apart and saying, "Here's how it happened, and here's how it can happen again," and that is describing that society. And our society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Tell the uh, Himmelfarb Society about the fact that she wrote a book about Nazi Germany. Good idea. We, we know. Go okay. Ahead. Don't talk. In addition, in addition to that, the increasingly illiberal left will further capitulate in the forces of evil, choosing to surrender to radical Islamists, blowing themselves up as a new normal. By the way, this is Eric Erickson writing. I think we all need to take a step back and reconsider, especially if you are a never-Trumper. We have to look at the facts. Fix reason firmly in her seat. In short, I see the election of Hillary Clinton as the antithesis of all of my values and ideas on what fosters sound civil society in this country. Furthermore, I think she should be in jail. Anybody disagree? No. 
at least with Trump, he writes. I mean, she might get a trial first. (laughs) She should get a trial. At least with Trump, we might, might get a better Supreme Court. We might get better cabinet picks. Uh, In fact, in terms of my view of the country, the odds are pretty great that my side has a greater chance of prevailing with Trump than with Clinton. I don't agree with that, but that's interesting. Um, what, and that's the argument we hear all the time. Yes. Supreme Court. He, he believes that. What most would identify as my side would have control of the executive branch and the powers of appointment and regulation that come with it. Oh, I see what he's saying. Yeah, what he deems his side would yes. because they right. control all three branches. So I should, at least here and now, as the race draws close, reconsider my opposition to Trump. The truth is, with the headlines about Clinton's emails, terrorist attacks, Obama administration's advancement of transgenderism in the military, I have been actively reconsidering my opposition to Trump. I've done it in conversations with friends, in prayer, in quiet time, dedicated to considering the future. So did he reconsider um, and did he change his point of view in a second? First, this. When it comes to protecting your family and your property, you have a choice. You can choose a system with long-term contracts from a huge company. By the way, if you're mad already, perhaps, perhaps something is askew. If you already are mad at what was just said on air, perhaps things should be reevaluated. Um, you can be simply safe. You'll get the best protection. It's like having a personal bodyguard in front of your home, stopping anyone that would harm your family. Simply safe, easy to use, completely wireless, and you own the system. It has glass break, entry, and motion sensors. Uh, monthly monitoring is $14.99 a month with no long term contract. So protect your home the smart way. Visit simplysafebeck.com. Go right now and you'll get free shipping on your order. And a free keychain remote worth $25. That's simplysafebeck.com. Simplysafebeck.com. Glenn Beck program. 888727 Beck. Mercury. is the Glenn Beck Program. We have a serial on the destruction of the American family coming up in uh, just a second, part three of that really fascinating uh, episode today, uh, coming up in about uh, 10 or 12 minutes. Um, real quick, Himmelfarb is not the woman I was thinking of. I was thinking of another woman with a funny name, and I can't remember her name. Himmelfarb, we look it up in the, in the middle of the break, is Bill Crystal's mom, which, no idea. But anyway, um, so Eric Erickson says we really need to, as this race comes this close, to reconsider the opposition to Trump if you are a never Trumper. I'm a never Clinton guy and I'm a never Trumper. And, And so far, everything that he has written about Hillary Clinton, I believe, is absolutely true. She is she is poison, poison to the republic. 
Here's what he writes. In doing so, I have to admit that while I view Hillary Clinton's campaign as anti-American, I view Donald Trump's campaign as un-American. Now listen to this. The American spirit eschews the idea of a strong man in Washington fixing all of our problems. We're supposed to be against the imposition of values set by Washington. Instead, we should embrace our heterogeneity as people. Not only does Donald Trump not do that, but his views pervert the liberal order of things as much as Clintonian illiberalism. Clinton offers a tyranny of the minority. Trump offers a tyranny of the majority. Clinton offers neither safety nor freedom, and Trump offers safety at the expense of freedom. While I see Clinton as having no virtue, I see Donald Trump corrupting the virtuous and fostering hatred, racism, and dangerous strains of nationalism. More importantly, while I think Hillary Clinton will do long-term damage to the country, I believe that Donald Trump, writes Eric Erickson, will do far more damage to the church, and that is my priority. A Clinton administration may see the church besieged from the outside, but a Trump administration will see the church poisoned from within. I see it happening even now. This past Friday, I debated the merits of Trump and sat next to a Christian who argued that because God chose sinners, I can't, this, this argument I hear all the time, we should choose Trump. She argued that a bunch of other presidents were terrible, immoral people, and we should be okay with Trump. She argued that God chose Abraham, Samson, and David, so we should choose Trump. I don't recall John F. Kennedy writing books bragging about his affairs. I don't recall Bill Clinton telling a television audience that he wanted to have sex with his daughter. How far a Christian must fall to justify the low morals of a man by tearing down the reputation of others is sometimes exaggerated manners. I do recall God choosing Abraham, Samson, and David, and all of them repenting for their sins. That repentance stands in studied contrast to Donald Trump, who has three times said that he has never had to ask for forgiveness. And he only recently said uh, his advance of the church, if elected, would be the only thing that gets him into heaven. When I see Christians defining deviancy down to justify political decisions, I see a real problem for the church. When I see Christians saying that we have the license to choose bad men because God chooses bad men, I see the sparks of apostasy. Many of my friends have turned themselves over to the anger of Trump displays. I see my friends on Twitter in meltdown, tweeting tweeting profanity to others, spending their time on radio attacking friends by name for refusing to yield. That's not healthy. Not only is it not healthy, it reeks of desperation. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained by the world, James said. Trump has openly championed funding an organization that would murder uh, the would-be orphan and sell his organs while he cheated widows and single moms of their money. And more and more Christians are championing the stains while staining themselves. The level of fear many of my friends have towards what a Clinton administration may bring has turned to desperation and desire for a protector. But we already have one. Neither in life nor death, angels or rulers, nor present things, nor to come, nor powers, nor height, depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus. 
So many pastors who email me and beg me to reconsider, and so many others who write do so because they think this is the last chance to get the nation right. They think we'll turn a corner after which we cannot turn back. While I concede they might be right, what I see is a level of desperation causing them to place their trust in one strong man instead of God. And in truth, I do not concede that they're right, but I have concluded we are already past the point of redemption when the best either party can do is offer up Clinton or Trump. We are beyond the point of looking to five black-robed masters to save us from ourselves when we put up Clinton or Trump. The seriousness and virtue of the voter is in, grave, in the grave already, and my Christian brethren for Trump yearn for an idolized path that neither never existed and in the future that is not theirs, but rather God's to shape. Christians looking for a strong man to protect the church instead of the strongest man who conquered death is a terrible thing to see. Many Christian leaders are engaging in, um, in trying to blend patriotism with Christianity. They seemingly argue that if the nation falls, the church falls, and for the church to rise, the country must rise. But Christ has already risen. The true church is in no danger of falling. The gates of hell shall not prevail. He goes, he goes on... Um, and I believe this is so well-reasoned and so well-thought-out. Now, you may not agree with it, but it is least a cogent argument and a statement of principles. When Pat and I were talking about this off the air, we didn't talk about Donald Trump. We were talking about the church. And the reason why I told the story that I did last hour had nothing to do with Hitler, had everything to do with the people what got the people in Germany to, 80, by 1933, 80% of the Christians that went to church said that Hitler was the head of the church, that Jesus Christ was no longer the head of the church that Hitler was, that 80% of all Christians that went to church in Germany fought for the removal of the Old Testament and said that it was nothing but Jewish garbage. There was a split in the church that seemingly happened overnight, but it didn't really. It started long before Hitler, and it had everything to do with the church compromising itself and getting into bed with the government, forgetting its principles, having lost its place long before as outside of government, and standing for the things that were true. And then coaching people to do this because God wants it. And when World War I didn't turn out that way, the people fell away and were disillusioned. And they were angry. And they didn't believe in the media. They didn't believe in the traditional family anymore. They didn't believe in the church anymore. They didn't believe in government institutions. They didn't believe in the law. They didn't believe in the army. They didn't believe in anything. And that was a ripe field for anger and somebody to manipulate. But it wasn't the manipulation of the church. It was the Christians so desperate to have somebody grab the reins and say, I will be your protector. That is where the church went wrong in Germany. This doesn't have to do anything with Donald Trump. This has everything to me to do with each of us. 
Last hour, I was pilloried on Twitter. I didn't mention politics once. I told the history of the Dadaist movement, World War I, the Roaring Twenties, and the beginnings of Hitler. I didn't mention anything contemporary. Not once. And yet, Twitter was on fire saying, Glenn Beck, he's gone over the line. I'm never going to listen to him. He's comparing Trump. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I don't think Donald Trump is Hitler. I don't think Hillary Clinton is Hitler. I was talking about faith, but I didn't tell you that. All I did was history. What's interesting is for those who are religious, how did Stephen die? All Stephen did was gather in the square and say, let me tell you your history. And they were so angered. They were so angered just by hearing their own true history, they tore him apart literally with their mouths. We're not at the literal stage, but we are being torn apart with our own mouths. The Glenn Beck Program. Last time, in our examination of the breakdown of the American family unit, we looked at the effects on our children, which have been stunning, educationally, emotionally, economically, and criminally. But what has caused all of this destruction? Economist and political philosopher Thomas Sowell explains that part of the problem has been the government intervention into the lives of the poor, especially blacks. It's incredible the, the, the way you start the story in the middle, uh, as if there's a predestined amount of poverty, a predestined amount of unemployment, and that the welfare system is not itself in any way responsible. You mentioned, for example, the female-headed household. Many of those, in addition to the, the grown woman who has all the, all the kids, are teenage pregnancies. Uh, there's not a predestined amount of teenage pregnancy. I grew up in an era when people, and particularly blacks, were a lot poorer than today, faced a lot more discrimination than today, and in which the teenage pregnancy rate was a lot lower than today. I don't believe there is a predestined amount of teenage pregnancy, a predestined amount of husband desertion. Uh, Gutman has done a study of the black family showing that this whole notion that this is, the black family has always been disintegrating, that that is nonsense, that his, his studies go up to 1925, the great bulk of black families were intact, two-parent families up through 1925, and going all the way back through the era of slavery. So it is now only within our own time that we suddenly see this inevitable tragedy which the welfare system says is going to rush into solve. In 1964, President Lyndon Johnson announced the War on Poverty. And this administration today, here and now, declares unconditional war on poverty in America. $22 trillion later, that battlefield is lined with remnants of broken American families. 
huge government welfare and indoctrination programs have contributed to dependency. They strip people of dignity, helped to raise unemployment, and in general, enslaved three generations of American citizens. But there have been other factors as well. For instance, there was the feminist movement. In the feminine mystique, New York academic Betty Friedan wrote a devastating critique of the modern woman's situation. Women, as well as men, can only find their identity in work that uses their full capacities. A woman cannot find her identity in the dull routine of housework, she wrote. If a job is to be the way out of the trap for a woman, it must be a job that she can take seriously as part of a life plan, work in which she can grow as part of society. Beginning in the early 1960s, progressives in the feminist movement began to tell women that they couldn't be fulfilled by just being in the home with their children. Women could have it all. Unfortunately, their children couldn't. The children wound up being left with someone else other than a mother or a father for most of the day. There are, of course, circumstances for many where the dual income is necessary to survive. But the overriding theme of hardline feminists was you weren't really contributing to society if all you did was raise your children. At its core, the movement also had strong anti-men sentiments. Did you call it patriarchy? Did you call it capitalism? What was, what was we the We just uh, sort of said it was men. <laughs> After the women's movement, society changed. In 1950, the ratio of men to women in the workplace was 71 to 29 percent. By 2000, it was 53 to 47 percent. Now, how many would claim that the family unit has strengthened in that time? And there has been the cultural influence. In 2008, ABC reported, This is Gloucester, Massachusetts, America's oldest fishing port. Last fall, a storm blew through this town, but it wasn't from off the Atlantic. It was from inside the halls of Gloucester High School, where 18 girls allegedly made a pact to get pregnant. Turns out there was no pact, but it made for some explosive headlines. Just as Bristol Palin's pregnancy turned into a gale force story. But the trouble is, teenage pregnancy isn't about celebrities or outlandish rumors. It's about our daughters and our sons in every town from coast to coast. For the first time in 15 years, the teen birth rate is on the rise. Three quarters of a million American girls will become pregnant this year. While the pact among the 18 high school girls wasn't real, their pregnancies definitely were. And true to statistics, 80% of the teen fathers were not interested in their responsibilities. In the movies, on TV, the internet, virtually everywhere, you see that the attitude of whether the traditional family unit is important has drastically changed, as in this segment on Headline News. In that brand new interview, April Rachel, that's out today, Jennifer Aniston said... Women are realizing it more and more, knowing they don't have to settle with a man just to have that child. Okay, I think she's right on one hand, but I got to say, I don't know how single moms do it. I've got the utmost respect for them. It is not easy to raise a child by any stretch. I rely on my husband completely to co-parent. So, Rachel, to the showbiz flashpoint, do you think Jennifer has that right? Absolutely. We are not living in the 50s anymore, Brooke. I mean, families are completely redefined, and I think this is part of the reason that we love her. Necessity is one thing, but to celebrate that families have been completely redefined? 
and dismiss the traditional family unit as something that should have gone away, like the poodle skirt, is irresponsible at best in light of what's happened to American society. Or this from MTV. Three things that I don't want to talk about. You in custody, Nathan in custody, and then my pending charge. So I met a guy. I love you. Do you think that mommy gets a lot of boyfriends really fast? Yeah. He just got out of prison for domestic violence. You are the worst boyfriend she's ever had. Teen Mom 2. It has become so bad for the American family, in fact, that there are services that advertise their specialty, which in this case is helping people cheat on their spouse. I just found out my husband's cheating on me. AshleyMadison.com Bringing your marriage back to life. Somehow, that particular company survived a scandal where all of their members' secure names and information were exposed to the public. In 1970, Liberal Time magazine ran a cover story about the destruction of the American family, and it was titled, The U.S. Family, Help! From the first paragraph, they sounded the alarm. Quote, America's families are in trouble, trouble so deep and pervasive as to threaten the future of our nation, declared a major report to last week's White House Conference on Children. Can the family survive? Asked anthropologist Margaret Mead rhetorically. Students in rebellion, the young people living in communes, unmarried couples living together, call into question the very meaning and structure of the stable family unit as our society has known it. The family, says California psychologist Richard Parson, is now often without function. It is no longer necessarily the basic unit in our society. The next paragraph was headlined, Enormous Crisis. Then it made the case for just how enormous. The crisis in the family, quote, The crisis in the family has implications that extend far beyond the walls of the home. No society has ever survived after its family life deteriorated, warns Dr. Paul Popno founder of the American Institute of Family Relations. Harvard professor emeritus Carl Zimmerman has stated the most pessimistic view, quote, the extinction of faith in the familiistic system is identical with the movements in Greece during the century following wars and in Rome from about AD 150. In each case, the change in faith and belief in family systems was associated with a rapid adoption of negative reproduction rates and with enormous crisis in the very civilizations themselves. End quote. Even many liberals understood 46 years ago that the family is the building block of civilization. If it crumbles, so does civilization. But somehow, far too many Americans have been swallowed up in political correctness, focusing on just one aspect of the issue, tolerance. But tolerance is only one side of the coin. The other side is truth. Without truth and only tolerance, everything falls apart. Society will now tolerate virtually any substitution for the traditional family unit, ignoring the other aspects of the issue, such as truth. And the truth is, as Dr. Popno said 46 years ago, no society has ever survived after the family life deteriorated. That is the truth and a chilling fact.
The traditional family provides Americans the best chance to produce the healthiest, best educated, most well-adjusted children, according to study after study after study, year after year after year, over decades. The breakdown of the family unit is always an uncomfortable thing to discuss because someone is going to be offended or made to feel bad nearly every time the topic comes up. There are so many different family scenarios now. This is not a condemnation of anyone else's situation. Great kids come from many different family arrangements. Again, we're talking about what has happened to the family unit in general that produces the best results. Next time, we focus more specifically on the group that has been the hardest hit by the breakdown of the family. Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I'll tell you that um, 12 years ago today, do you remember where you were? 12 years ago today, I was in Dallas, Texas. 12 years ago today, I adopted my son, Rafe. Oh, yeah. He was born 12 years ago. If anybody was listening back then, you remember the, the hunt for uh, my child and the miracle that he was. And he was, uh, he, he was a, he's a difficult child. And, boy, I remember, he was, he was five years old, and he would not obey, he would not conform, and I thought, I don't want to break his spirit, but I got to bend it. How do I not break his spirit, but get him under control? And he was so out of control, he would not go to bed when he wanted to, and then, or when we wanted him to, and he would not stay in bed. And so, finally... Um, and he was just defiant on it. I'm not going to, not going to. Five. And um, he finally said, we're going to, you know what? If it requires us to sit out in the hallway or sleep by your door, you're staying in that room. Fine. Okay, I got it. I got it. I'll stay. That night he went in and he took poop and wrote all kinds of things on the wall and the chair and the bed and was, and uh, Tanya came in to check on him and he was there and he's like, hi mom. And he's just smearing it over everything. And I'm like, you devil child. (laughs) She came down and she's like, I said, is he still in his bed? And she's like, ah, you're going to have to go up on this one. And I went up, and I couldn't believe it. And he was just like, hmm. Who won this battle? I did. Yeah. Oh. And um, he was, at that point, he's thinking he won the battle. Yes. And so I go into the other room, and I calm down, and I pray, and I practice spanking. Because I never spanked a kid before. Practiced spanking. You know, how hard should it be? He's five. And I spank him. And, um, and uh, he gets up. And he looks at me, and he stands up, and he says, five. That's the best you got? (laughs) Wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, I went blind for a little while and walked out of the room. Okay. Rafe 
just went in for his, in our church, you get the Aaronic priesthood when you're 12 years old, if you're worthy. And I went in for an hour with him and his mom and the bishop. And he spoke about all the things that he has learned about lying and, and uh, the commandments and everything else. And he handled himself so well. And, and, and the way he answered things, I realized, wow, all of the things that we have worked on for 12 years have paid off. The reason why I tell you this story. I was watching him yesterday. And I'm going to tell his mom today on his birthday that he is a product of the two of us. Without dad, she would not have been able to get a control of him. And without mom, he wouldn't have the softness and the decency that I think she brings. It takes both. Now this, um, our sponsor this half hour is Goldline. I want you to do your homework. Do you trust Janet Yellen um, uh, and the rest of the Fed with your money? You worked hard to earn it. Do you think the Fed actually cares about you as they're looking now at negative interest rates, as they're now talking about getting rid of every bill over $10 and digitizing money? When they are allowing the banks to do bail-ins instead of bail-outs and take your money. I don't. Call Goldline now. Find out if gold or silver is right for you. It's not right for everybody. It is with my family. Please do it now. Goldline. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-465-3546. Read Goldline's important risk information. Find out if it's right for you. Goldline.com. The Glenn Beck Program. So I share the uh, poop on the wall story, and uh, Stu goes into the break, and he says, I know, man, (laughs) my son. Listen to what happened. He said, uh, Daddy, will you please remind me if I'm being bad? Because I want to make sure I'm good, and sometimes I might forget. So if I'm being bad, just remind me to not be bad, and I'll be good. I hate (laughs) you. You gotta have that kid checked. Yeah. There's something <laughs> seriously wrong. That's the way the Antichrist comes yep. up right there. Yep. He'll get you every time. We Glenn Beck. Mercury. The FBI director has said 
cover up your webcam. I'm going to echo that. Cover up your webcam. Uh, Also, we're going to talk about that. Something that Barack Obama said yesterday at the United Nations that will melt your eyes. Um, I think we're talking now about, you know, making the Constitution subservient uh, to a global government. Of course. And a blast from the past with Michelle Obama and her new love pal, Hillary Clinton. Was that what she was saying a few years ago about Hillary Clinton? We have that coming up right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So the director of the FBI has come out and said, put tape, everyone should put tape or cover their uh, iPhone or their iPad or their computer. The, ca- the camera up at the top, this is this little thing you can just buy and it just slides over and opens up the camera and slides her closer, or like Jeffy does, he just puts a pillow in front I of the screen. Can't use my laptop if I do it this way. Yeah, um, and yeah, they, they, you can just easily open it and close it if you want to use your uh, webcam for any reason, right? Um, fa- you know, FaceTime call or Skype or whatever. That's what, great. What I, it doesn't, what it doesn't do is though, it doesn't, it doesn't block your microphone. It Doesn't block the sound. Yeah, yeah. The sound is uh. the sound is just as important to me. The sound is just as important. It's true, but I mean that this is also because uh, this is not the first story like this recently. The FBI is saying you should probably do it. Uh, they had a picture of Mark Zuckerberg as well, who's a guy, obviously a multi-billionaire running Facebook, and they showed a picture of him just typing, and someone noticed they had a piece of tape over the camera. You know, Mark Zuckerberg knows a lot about these sorts of things. Yep. Uh, you know, well, they, they, he said do. it is it is time for every American to understand. You need to put a piece of tape over your. Over your camera, on your phone, or on your uh, on your uh, laptop or iPad or whatever you have. I mean, this really should be a basic uh, feature of the computer when you buy it. You should not have uh-huh. to buy these things separately. There should be a little cover that opens that closes the thing up. And and, and I think an easy way to disable the microphone too. I mean, you you know uh, you know they don't like putting switches on things. I know anymore. No one likes switches. Everything has to be. You can't plug anything in anymore. You know, there's no more headphone jacks on phones. Apparently, and now also, uh, no one likes to put a switch on anything. But it's be nice of an easy way to just do that, because I'm not, I, I am not a security freak. I'm not like worried about everybody, uh, you know, looking at my stuff. I know Edward Snowden has brought to our attention, uh, you know, some things that make that viewpoint a lot more uh, sane. I mean, honestly, at one point it felt like it was insane to worry about these things. Now the FBI is telling you you should. The FBI is telling it to you. And things are only going to get weirder. Um, I want to play something that I can't believe a president said. A president of the United States said this um, at the U.N. yesterday. Listen, But we have to put our money where our mouths are. Money. And we can only realize the promise of this institution's founding to replace the ravages of war with cooperation if powerful nations like my own Accept constraints. Oh, wait. Sometimes I'm criticized in my own country, country. for professing a belief in international norms. 
yeah. and multilateral institutions. But I am convinced that in the long run, giving up some freedom of action. Listen to this. Oh, my God. Talking about giving up freedom of action by us. So we've got to give up some of our freedom for... Not giving up our ability to protect ourselves or pursue our core interests, but, uh, but binding ourselves binding to international rules to international over rules. the long term enhances our security. No, no, no. You know, binding ourselves to the U.S. Constitution enhances our security. Not, not binding ourselves to other countries. I don't, I'm not interested in binding ourselves to other countries. Any other country. I, I just want to be bound to the United States Constitution. You know what's amazing to me is if you look at where everything is going, look at, look at where, um, where every, every population is going in the Western world. Where are they going? Where, where, are, where are the people going? The people are going to uh, a restoration of their culture or their country away from the collective. Brexit is happening. And now other countries are seeing that, wait a minute, it looks like it was all scare tactics on Brexit. If it happens, it's all going to fall apart Mm -hmm. and the economies will all die. Maybe we can get out. The people are, are rising up in Germany, I don't know if you guys saw what happened, but the pro-Russia um, uh, party rose up and is now se- in second place. There is no coalition uh, in Germany anymore. This happened in, in Berlin. The late, latest election in Berlin shows that uh, the far left and the far right are, are separating themselves from the traditional parties and they're saying we want nothing to do with the traditional parties. And they are the ones growing in power. And they say if that continues, not just in Berlin, but across the entire nation, Germany's going to be unmanageable. Deutsche Bank dropped 20% in the last 10 days, its stocks. 20%. Something's happening in Germany. And it's happening all across Europe. And it, what's happening is... People are saying, I don't like these international rules. I don't want to be a part of that. I'm Greece. I'm Spain. I'm German. I'm French. I'm English. And so the people are moving away from this. And the leadership is so tone deaf that they are pushing forward to even more and bigger government control. When things melt down, you are going to see... A, a, a seizing of uh, control on an international scale, a globalist scale. Did you ever think we'd see a day when Bono, an Irish rock star, made a lot more sense, sounded more American than the American president? No. I, I, Play the I Bono know. thing again. Play, this is, this That's is what he most recently said. I think this was yesterday, right? Oh, okay. Look, yeah. America... He's like the best idea the world ever came up with. Stop there. Wow. Just that. Have America you... is the best idea the world has ever come up with. Now, keep in mind, this is during an interview with Trump. Now, most... On Trump. Uh, about Trump, yeah. And, and so, 
most rock stars would start bashing Trump. They'd bash America. They'd bash the people for being so stupid. These are right-wing zealots. These are all racists. But that's not exactly He's what about the to go the other way. Takes. Yeah. But Donald Trump is potentially the worst idea that ever happened to America. Potentially. Could destroy it. Because of what we're saying. Because America's not just a country. Ireland's a nice country. Great Britain's a great country. All the rest of it. It's not an idea. America is an idea. And that idea is bound up in justice and equality for all. Quality and justice for all, you know. To making America strong. What is? I think he's hijacked uh, the, the, the party. I think he's trying to hijack the idea of America, and I, and I think it's bigger wow. than all of us. I think it's 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 it, 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 this is really dangerous. Why do you think this race is about even running against a woman who's been Secretary of State, a United States Senator? So here's Charlie Rose trying to gin up yeah. some of that, yeah, some of what we're talking right, about. And gin up Hillary Clinton. Yeah. yeah. Why? How yeah, could yeah. she? Because, Charlie, she is wildly corrupt and out of step with the American idea as well. Yeah. First lady of the United I, States. I, I, I and a race is about even. Mm, well, I would not uh, diminish. Now listen to this. Um, and Trump supporters or wow. underestimate their angst um, because I feel that in a way they have correctly um, uh, assessed that the, the center parties haven't yet become clear what you're saying their, their, their angst is real and genuine a sense that I worry about my country and where no, it is Charlie. yeah yeah but they're, no, they're, they're very that's real not what, that's very, not what he's saying He's saying that their angst is real, that the parties in the center, the Republican and the Democratic Party, aren't listening to the people, aren't reflective of the people, are corrupt to their core. That's both basically what he's saying. Where we are now. Right, that the center parties, both of them, mm-hmm. are corrupt. Real problems um, facing not just America. Uh, facing Europe. And remember, who's in the White House? I'm Irish. I don't have a vote. And I can't be telling people how to vote and don't want to. But I have a voice. And I can say that who sits in that office really affects everyone in this world. Wow. I mean... That's amazing. That's great stuff. That's really great. It's great. Really great. And not disparaging the American people. Not at all. Not disparaging uh, America. In fact, he said what we're going through is real. They, they should have angst. And he said, so. it's going, it's happening all around the world. Yeah. Now listen to what the president just said. The president is standing in front of the United Nations, the antithesis of what is happening all around the world. And he's saying we have to surrender more of our will to it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Absolutely. You want globalists? That's a globalist. That's a globalist. Mm-hmm. Somebody who is actually talking about surrendering the will of the nation to a, a global governance. That's a globalist. And, and you, I mean, you of all people, no globalists, right? <laughs> I mean... Yeah. And in major prestigious reports, uh, government you studies... Find that shrimp are just swimming right up to birds and being eaten. Yeah. They're overconfident. 
They've had their overconfident shrimp governors removed. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've geez. had their compulsions mm-hmm. uh, removed. No they've compulsions. had you're not talking about their this. fear level. And this is what the studies when they approved Prozac mm-hmm. in '81 mm-hmm. had shown. That's why it's now on the drug insert. That oh yeah, most of the time you're going to be having a great time. It's a hallucinogen. It's in the psychotropic you're uh, a great category. Time on it. But time. some days, yeah. if you get LSD. angry. Or you don't take the right amount of the medication, or you try to go off of it, right. or you mix it with other things. Ask the shrimp. Yep. You will break and go in and kill 20 people at a school, right. or you'll chop your baby's arms off, mm-hmm. or you'll put it's your all kids the all in their all the time. car all the time. seats, mm-hmm. chain them in, and drive them off a cliff. Yeah. In yes. every case, every in case every case, they've always been on it. Okay, stop for a second. So every case every where case. somebody who has every chopped case. the arms off of their kids, every case. Changed, the, chained their kids to the car seat, mm-hmm. and then... And then driven off a cliff. And also every case of the shrimp swimming up to the, the birds. And just every just being Same. eaten. Yeah. They swim up and they, they're, they're committing suicide. Well, they've had their governors removed. Well, that, and that's why the shrimp are committing suicide now. They swim right up to a bird and say, eat me. It's called shrimpicide. Eat me. That is that is shrimpicide is happening. It's, and all it's, because they're taking the wrong dosage of Prozac. Yes. While they can't control their dosage, it's just being dumped into the right. ocean. Prozac is. In yes. such, apparently... In in such volume. Okay, so let me ask you, Pat. Let me ask you this: how how many tablespoons? How many tablespoons? Or probably cups? How many cups of Prozac mm-hmm. do you need to dump into the ocean? Right. Okay. To into the ocean. It? Are we yeah. talking the Atlantic or the Pacific? Uh, let's talk about the. Let's talk about. Let's the talk about Pacific. the smaller. You want to talk about the let's larger? Let's talk about the Pacific, only right. because a lot of Asians. In the Pacific, you'd have to dump five cups of Prozac. <laughs> Up to five cups. Five, five cups. What five. happens if I just dumped like uh, ten? Oh, oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! And, it'll be, and then you're talking about more than shrimp. Swordfish are fighting. Yes, they're challenging oh, each yes. other's. You keep putting these chemicals in the water that turn the freaking frogs gay. Thank you. That's right. How many times have we talked about that? You might be talking about cave-dwelling Paiute trout swimming right up to birds and say, eat me. Uh, (laughs) Right, at that point. If you dump 10 cups of Prozac in the ocean. What's it take for a salmon to challenge a bear? (laughs) (laughs) It's dangerous. That's dangerous to even think about. 15 cups. That's dangerous to even think about. It is, it is. But, I mean, there was more. And I've talked to so many police. They say they'll pull up at... To a call, and there'll be a beautiful naked woman. Mm. In one case, a cop told me about cut. That's happened to me. How many? How many times oh, has that happened to oh you? This is, it's a great. Well, and there's a beautiful naked woman. Well, I like great... the way he said that, that. There were a lot of police. I talked to police all the time, and there was this one, <laughs> one case. Right. It's all, that is every single thing this guy says. I, it's always like, oh, this happens all the time. People tell me all the time. Let me tell you one case of. The, and that was the guilt, the guilt thing. He did the exact same. Remember the fish people? I know. 48 million cops and there was this one cop who said to me i have no evidence of it just one cop said to me <laughs> like something this serious it's it's one person said to him once Putting herself with butcher knives on the roof uh-huh. and then she'll just jump off the roof breaking her legs yeah. she's on prozac or right. a serotonin reuptake inhibitor mm-hmm. and they right. found the same thing with shrimp Serotonin. They're up on the roof. Shrimp will just come up and start attacking crabs when the crabs are just going to eat them. Or they will. You know about crabs, right, Jeffy? You, I, I mean, oh, you're a crab oh, different expert. kind. Oh. It takes a different medication. Okay. These crabs require a different medication. All right. They will just come up to the surface and not be afraid. Uh-huh. Their inhibitions have been inhibitions taken away. Taken away. Shrimp inhibitions gone. 
and the frogs becoming gay. I now, mean, he what, is on to some me, problems. Now, that, let me ask you again. What does this have to do with the U.N. and Barack Obama? Well, I forget now because <laughs> I, I do too. Uh, okay. Oh no, because Glenn, Glenn's a globalist. Oh, that's, that's what, what it, it was. That's what it, it was. A globalist. Globalism. And only globalists are doing this with the shrimp. Of yes. course, duh. Now, nationalists would never do that. Just globalists. <laughs> All, right. All right. Okay, I got it. I think. And now this: rather than getting your dog a matching sweater, uh, get your dog a bed from Casper, the Casper Dog Bed is designed by the same brilliant engineering team behind all the Casper sleeping products. And it combines the pressure-relieving memory foam and durable support foam to create uh, a bed that your dog will love. Now, Pat looks at me every time I do this commercial like <laughs> a dog bed? Y- yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a dog you, bed? Would you like to talk about how your dog was thrown out of a high-speed car in the middle of the... In, you met Romney? Yeah. No, he was not thrown. Oh, okay. He was not thrown out of a high-speed Tossed? car. He was not tossed. Hoaxed. He jumped up on. He jumped. My up. wife was, was driving our fault. SUV at the time, yes. and the dog was in the back seat. Yes. And our dog jumped up on the on the little door handle because he was looking out the window, and his paw rolled down the window. And as she went around the corner, <laughs> he flipped out of the car. Holy went, crap! That's about as believable. But was okay. But, well, he was shaken uh, for a little bit, yes. but he was yeah. he was eventually okay. So then, I, I don't really take it, it hard when Pat looks at me dog. like, who would buy a dog for his bed? <laughs> a bed for his dog? I, I don't know, Pat. Maybe people who don't throw their dogs out car windows. But um, if your dog, and I can't imagine that Indy had any back problems after that. Right, at that's all. the dog that right. needs one. Yeah, right. needed one. Oh. Oh. Yeah, oh. but he was lost him. Thanks for um, that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Casper has a mattress for your dog that relieves the, at least with Ella, she's got a really bad back. And um, some of us care about our animals. And so we try to do the best. Casper has a mattress for your dog and it's easily, you know, it zips off the cover and you can mean, uh, machine wash it. And it's, it's great. Anyway, um, your Casper. You can get it when you buy your Casper. You just buy the dog bed. But when you get your Casper, you will have the best sleep you've ever had as well. Use the promo code BECK uh, at uh, Casper.com and save $50 off the purchase of your mattress. That's Casper.com, promo code BECK, $50 off the purchase of your mattress. And your dog doesn't get 50% off, but it does get a great night's sleep. It's Casper.com. Terms and conditions do apply. Casper.com. Glenn Beck. The fusion of entertainment, entertainment. And, enlightenment. and enlightenment. We the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Yeah. 888-727-BCK. Glad that you have uh, tuned in today. Even though we found out that Pat doesn't care about his dog. <laughs> Just, I mean, it's... Well, I mean, I think throwing him out of a I, speeding car is not more than not caring about I, it. Right? No one threw our dog out of a speeding car. I mean, that's your story. And I'm you go I am the dog went out the window of the, the automobile out the window. while the automobile was moving. Indeed. 
Right. Yes, that did happen. Hmm. Didn't uh, didn't think to put the safety uh, the window on or buckle the poor dog in. I mean, geez. You guys ever heard about the? Uh, have you ever heard about the uh, the cat nuns before? The cat nuns? No. Cat nuns? No. I think a dog bed is weird. How about the cat nuns? I'll tell you about it next. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. We could go into some news of the day, or I could tell you about the cat nuns. Well, you teased the cat nuns. I know. You well, have to know what that is. Kind of depends on what the news of the day is. Well, it's a kind of, What? Kind of depends on what the news of the day is. Well, you know what the news of the day is. It's I know. It all cat. sucks. So let's it talk about sucks. cat nuns. Right. <laughs> Convent of nuns in the Middle Ages began to meow like cats. Now, this started with one nun as she began to meow like a cat, and then the other nuns would gather together in the convent uh, by, you know, the end of the week. Most of the nuns had gathered in the convent uh, at a certain space at a certain time each day just to meow. So instead of saying, hey, what's wrong with Sister Mary Frances? They all started emulating Sister Mary Frances. Yes, and they all went to meow in the uh, courtyard. Very weird. Which was... Why? Why? They don't know. Um, (laughs) They don't know. And the surrounding village, um, they were tired of hearing the cat meows because it would go on for a long time, every day, certain time, every day. And the villagers called in the uh, police and uh, and the army, and they surrounded... The, uh, <clears throat> the convent? The, the army, army came to mm-hmm. the convent just yeah. because the nuns were meowing? Meowing. It was apparently causing quite a disturbance in the wow. town. And so they surrounded and said, stop meowing or we're going to come in and kill all of you. <laughs> and they, they stopped. <laughs> they did stop. They did stop. Yes. That is a weird story. Okay, now. And they stopped. So they didn't even, they didn't even have the strength of their conviction. No, of the meowing. To say no. Well, they were like, we'll die for our meowing. You know, no, they were willing like, to. No, they're just like, ah, we should stop now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would too. Right. The headline might be better too. than the story, yeah, but much. this story is good. How about this one? How about the dancing plague? Have you ever heard of the dancing plague? Yes. Now, this is the dancing plague, I believe, of Prague. Uh,. Is this about disco in the 70s? No, it is no, it not. Is not. No, it is not. Like, Sorry, sorry. this is Strasbourg. Um, and this is the Dancing Plague of 1518. Yeah. Okay. You know this? Horrible. I do. I'm familiar with this yeah. Dancing Plague. The, mm-hmm. how, many, how many think he's lying? Um, the outbreak began in July 1518 when a woman began to dance in the streets of Strasbourg. 
Um, That lasted somewhere between four and six days. But by the end of the week, 34 other people had joined in. So like nonstop she danced? Nonstop dancing, yes. 34 others had joined in by the end of the week. And within a month, there were 400 dancers. Most of them were female dancing nonstop in the streets of Strasbourg. Here's where it gets weird. Oh, it's not yet? <laughs> it's not. Oh, okay. Mm. Suddenly they heard meowing from, no. Um, <laughs> people actually died from heart attacks, strokes, and dropped dead from exhaustion. But the, the surrounding dancers kept going. Yes. It killed 15 people a day. Historical documents, including physician notes, cathedral sermons, local regional chronicles, even the notes issues by the Strasbourg City Council are clear that the victims danced. It is not known why the people danced, even though they danced, some of them, to their death. Yeah. They think they know what caused it. Prozac? Was it Prozac in the water? It was during the plague day, and actually they believe that it was uh, in the well water. Yeah, and they they were eating the fish. Surrounding the town. As the the dancing plague worsened, concerned nobles sought the advice from physicians who ruled out astrological and supernatural causes. Um, They said this plague was of natural disease caused by hot blood. Uh, They decided not to bleed the people who were dancing. Foreigners sang about that. Instead, they encouraged more dancing. Wow. Uh, And they built a wooden stage for the dancers. Um, (laughs) They believed that if they would dance all day and all night, they would eventually wear themselves out Mm -hmm. and stop dancing. Which they did. They died. uh, Yes. If I'm understanding the story right, too, historically, this is what created the safety dance, um, which. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any lyrics to that. Uh, I will we be can, impressed. We can we without can looking dance, it up. Dance, everybody, look at their hands. Why? Why do you have to right. look at your hands? Because people were falling over. Right. You wanted to make sure your hands were always in front of you to brace an impact. Okay. Uh, that would lead to death. Um, we can dance. We can dance. It wasn't Everybody's look at everybody. Look chance. at your pants. See, so it was okay for people to take chances on dancing once the safety dance was there. Okay. And that's what they were trying to encourage people. We can dance. Yeah. Everybody's taking. A chance, and that is directly related. It might have been that or That's Ergo right. to Mine, which I guess is a uh, a, product, a product of the Ergo uh, fungi, uh, which grows in grain. I think it's an actual disease. That they thought, no, they, to... thought they, they think that it's a, some sort of fungus that was in the grain that really? is a, a relation of LSD. Oh. And so they were eating the grain... Uh, and they well, that would make some sense, right? That they're all hallucinating, but everybody well, you in the could, village. Yeah, I mean, you know, four well, four hundred people are doing it. Did they all eventually die, or did some of them? No, some of them just stopped. Okay, <laughs> some of them just stopped, and two are still living today. Right? Are they fifteen, eighteen? Yes, they all eventually died. <laughs> okay. Is it possible that the safety dance is actually made. about this? <laughs> I don't. What? I mean, the video is Safety set dance? in old time, like yes, 1500s it is. It, it is possible. And it, the lyrics actually seem to really fit with the story. It is possible. We can dance. We can dance. Is it possible? Well, give me I the wonder. lyrics. Uh, okay, hold on. Let me, let me give you this. That would be the greatest discovery of the day. Wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's an episode of The Vault right now. <laughs> uh, By see. the way, The Vault premieres. We are getting such tremendous feedback on his story. 
Last night was episode two. If you haven't watched them, go binge on them at glenbeck.com. Uh, there's two episodes out, uh, Tesla and Edison, uh, that are just fantastic. Huge, great reviews from the people who are watching it, even people who are just so mad at me they can't take it. Um, uh, and tonight, The Vault premieres at 5 o'clock. You don't want to miss that. Another history show. Go ahead. Give me the... All right. So, uh, okay. Uh, we can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. I mean, there's yeah. people dying all over the place. Because yeah. um, if your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. So people are saying specifically to these people, people are dying, don't dance. And they're saying, you know what? If you don't dance, you're not a friend of mine. Right. I don't. I say we could go where we want to, a place that will they will never find. Again, they're having to hide this activity because of all. They're the in the death. middle of the street. Well, I mean, but it's in a place they will never find. I mean, if you look at they're the in video. the middle of the street. How right, do but they it's not a street. Other people aren't around. Look, <laughs> the, look, the guys without hats may have taken some liberties. Right. Sure. Okay. And they're men. Where does it start fitting the? Scenario? So far, it's pretty much identical. It's like a freaking documentary. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Maybe we, the greatest find of all time. I mean, I was—I will tell you that you had me excited there wait, for a second because you were so sincere. You're like, I think this is it. Wait, where did this happen again? Uh, uh, Strasbourg. That's what. What is that? Uh, uh, Austria. Yeah. I mean, this happened in Europe too. <laughs> this is pretty clear, guys. This is, is it wow. I think it's hey, pretty well, clear. Give me some other. We can dance if you want. Uh, hold on, let me get that. Into that part. No, well, a lot of it is that. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, let's see. Um, uh, Have anything about fungi? It does go into fungi. That's in the. That's in the remix. Into, uh, uh, we just had a big glass of wheat. How about this? We could dance if we want to. Uh-huh. We've got all your life and mine. As long as we abuse it, never going to lose it. Again, they're talking trash to these doctors that are coming out mm-hmm. and, and saying that the dancing is killing people. Everything will work out right. He's advocating for this policy, which is it is against the, the common there was When did you stop believing you had found the link? Because <laughs> there was a second where you started. really did think. This might be it. <laughs> when he read past the first line, <laughs> that's when he stopped. Well, the video though is from that era, right? Right, and I don't know that. When he made it thirty seconds, I don't know the video. The video never made sense. They're dead. Look, look at the. Uh, we're showing the video here on the other side of the room. So is that like sixteen hundreds, fifteen hundreds, fifteen hundreds, sixteen hundreds? I would say almost I, definitely. It's in the same region of the world. Uh, you know, I mean, what else could it be? Well, I just I thought maybe you brought up a story that other people knew, but I should have known. No, I, this from the guy who just brought up the cat meow nuns. Look at this is clearly the same story. People are clearly they're dancing in a safe manner, right? With me. Uh, in the fifteen uh-huh. hundreds in Europe. I mean, this is obviously yeah. the same story, guys. Uh, you, uh, you know, you want know to deny all you want. You know, deny this, deny the gay frogs, deny the fish people, <laughs> deny the shrimp walking up to birds. I am the themselves. one who told you about the cat nuns. You you did bring up the cat nuns, but that was to divert from the shrimp aside. And now this. There's <laughs> <laughs> a sentence you didn't think you'd hear on radio today. Liberty safe. <laughs> Thinking about buying a safe. Really great offers. Liberty safe right now. If you go to libertysafe.com, you find the page with my not-so-large face on it. Uh, you type in Glenn, you'll find discounts and rebates of up to $250. You can also go to the nearest Cabela's store. All of the Cabela's safes are now on sale. 
So why would you, this is a Liberty Safe commercial. Why would I be telling you to go buy a Cabela Safe? Because all of their safes are made by Liberty Safe. All of them. Um, they're having a safe sale like they've never had before with the lowest prices of the year. Now through October 7th. Cabela Safes are Liberty Safes. Same great quality, same lifetime warranty because it's Liberty Safes. Now with the biggest sale of the year, you can save hundreds of dollars. They even have the Pro Vault safes made by Liberty starting at as low as $369. You don't find a deal like this very often. Go to your nearest Cabela store and see the Liberty safes that are on sale right now. If there's ever been a good time to buy a Liberty safe, now is that time. Go to libertysafe.com or see your nearest Cabela's outfitter. Do it now. LibertySafe.com and Cabela's. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. So we, we've gone down this safety dance road and we got to men without hats and then um, men at work. Uh, from a simpler time. Weren't they both? Weren't they both? Well, yeah. It was. Oh, you know what? In the 80s, it really wasn't. Time. It really wasn't. Well, think Ronald about how Reagan was our president. Those were. Those think were, about how freaked out we were about Russia. Still. Yeah. Isn't that a better freak out it. than this? Mm. We should be freaked out just well, as much now. We're just, we're just now all of a sudden embracing it. Yeah, no, I mean, the difference is the differences between then and now is we thought we were going to be vaporized, but we'd all be vaporized quickly and together. Mm-hmm. Now we just think we're all just going to be slowly tortured. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait. Uh, I'm just being, That's not what we all think. <laughs> uh, speaking of your freak out about uh, the, the 80s with the Soviet Union, um, we talked about this chart on patents too uh, recently. The chart of of nuclear weapons, the number of them that each country had in the middle of the Cold War. So the U.S. Uh, started obviously making them in bulk in the real early 1950s, went up to about 32,000 in the early 60s. So from the early 60s to today has been a steady decline of how many nuclear weapons we had. We had 32,000, and now we're you know down around 5,000. That's it? Yeah, we can only blow up the world like yeah. 400 times over. <laughs> and, you know, like, oh, that's, wow, that's not good. The yeah, power not good. of them changed. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's different reasons for this. Yeah. But, I mean, think about this. We were always told that, you know, back in the 80s that, like, well, you know, Reagan's this, nut, this crazy nut job. And the Russians, they only want to work with us. They would, they would go with these, these treaties if we'd let them. Uh, when we had 32,000 in the, in the mid-60s, Russia had le- about 2,000 nuclear weapons. They inc- kept increasing as we were declining all the way up to the, the late 80s. And when they peaked at over 40,000. So when we had decreased from 32,000 to roughly 20,000, they went from 2,000 to 40,000. They had double the amount of nuclear weapons that we had at the end of that. What week. do they have now? Uh, they're down they right just, in the same area with us. Didn't they just start making new ones? 
right. I thought I heard that they're, they're making an, an – uh, they've made an old weapon new again. They're starting to do something. And I, I thought it was missiles. I thought they were starting to make missiles again. I would be stunned to hear that. We pressed the reset button, so this is pretty much solved. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, so we're back. Right. We actually maybe have reset it. Well, we, we pressed the overcharge button, but... Uh, <laughs> That's um, true. <laughs> they may have corrected that by now. I'm, I'm not sure. But, uh, so... She was the most incompetent secretary. So bad. So bad. So bad. Yeah, it's funny. And she, the best part of that, uh, of that line where she says... Is where she says to to the minister. We worked a hard. Long we time. worked really hard to find just the right word in Russian. So you had right? the State Department working really hard to get this right, and you came up with overcharge instead of reset. That shows the incompetence level, right? Doesn't right. I mean that shows how bad? Well, she just lied. How bad she was. And this election, obviously, Andy Rice wouldn't have done that. She just lied. No. right. No, no. A lot of this obviously comes down to. Uh, you know, the Clinton pitch to America, right, is that she's experienced and Trump's right. an inexperienced crazy person. But, like, when your resume looks like Hillary Clinton, you can't talk about your experience. It's not, it's yeah. not, you don't want to point good. people that way, right? I mean, just the fact that you've been in this uh, arena unsuccessfully for a long time is not a commercial for you, right? I mean, hey, I, I understand the serious situation. Sure, I was running, I was running guns to ISIS. But I was at least doing it. That's how I understand. I was ISIS. doing something. What was he doing? At least I know how to do it. <laughs> Trump doesn't. <laughs> we ever need to run guns to people who hate us? I'm the it. one. I've already done it. I mean, how can it, how hard could it be to run guns to people who like us? All right. All right, just a difference in philosophy, but same basic principle. No, this is why it's not working, right? It's why the election's so right. close at this yeah. point. I mean, you know, on paper, obviously, she should run away with this. Uh, I mean, you know, if you think, I mean, just, you know, in this battle with the media at her back. As a resume, paper, if you take all of the things off it, that right. you would, you should be on her resume. Unfortunately, we know who she is. Yes, we know who she is. Her, at least. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.